recording in progress. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank. And hello, listener. You can find us, Mark, on Spotify. You knew that, mm-hmm. though. Apple Podcasts, Amazon. I knew that, too. Podcasts. I got that. And, of course, you can see these right here. These are mugs, and you can see them uh-huh. on YouTube, my friend. You can see our coffee mugs on YouTube? Oh, I can see yours. Oh. <laughs> but when does this wonderfully charming little podcast get released? So you can hear it sizzle mm. as it comes off the press. It's a great question. Thank you for asking. Oh, you're welcome. Luckily for us, new episodes drop every other friday but don't worry summer vacation is almost over and we'll return to weekly episodes soon maybe you'll just have to ask frank that's right (laughs) and if you're for the first time then you're probably not annoyed with one of our past reviews like red van fleet so welcome review records track by track and we have lots of musical discussions spotlight episodes this is one of them which Mm -hmm. might even include some mysteries and we've only just scratched the surface and marcus i always say we're getting warmed up okay (laughs) be sure to check out our verse series where we'll pit two bands or albums, or hey, even songs, or hey, even children against each other and make them duke it out for what we like to refer to as total stereo. (gasps) (laughs) That was awesome. Thank you. I loved it. I loved it. Uh Check out our Instagram and Facebook group. Uh, Hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of uh, our musical goodness and, of course, Mark's random nonsense. What? If you got a record that you want us to check out, you could drop a comment wherever you find this. Like, Uh subscribe, give us a review. So I say this to you, Mark. Uh New new fan? New fan? New fan? What's my name? No use for a name. That's right, Mark. We're finally tackling this interesting band and... uh, yeah, they get interesting the more you listen to them, and uh, they become even more interesting to me uh, in the last uh, several years. So, uh, you know, I think I heard of them, Mark, on various comps back in the day. What about you? Uh, interesting. Um, you know, they really caught me off guard with that quote from uh, David Thruis in the 1993 British dark comedy Naked. You remember that, don't you, Frank? Absolutely. Uneasily, uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, compilation albums ever, Fat Music's Fat uh fat music for fat people volume three physical volume three. fatness check out that comp no use for a name was uh kind of quietly the highlight of all of those early um fat music for fat people records um and they were always such a charm you really should like go back and listen to those and and realize that no use for a name stole the fucking show right totally absolutely and i think trying i think I think it was Fat Music for Fat People. The first volume was the one uh-huh. where I heard them with Feeding mm-hmm. the Fire. Uh, I oh, th- yeah? I think. So let's do some history, Mark. I think so. Actually, yeah, exactly. No Use for Name actually dates back their inception to 1986. They were dating in 1986? Totally. Absolutely. Okay. So we have drummer Rory Koff. Um, on, he was the drummer, of course. Lead uh-huh. vocals, uh, John Mayer, not the same asshole. Uh, Chris Dodge on lead guitar and Steve Papoulis on bass. And I could say that. Because I'm Papoose. Papoose. Uh, the important thing to note here is that uh, the only member who prevailed in this lineup was drummer Rory Koff. Uh, the band went through many adaptations uh, from having another singer. There being there were a six piece band at one time, and they even had a co vocalist. Uh, uh-huh. In 1987, guitarist Doug Judd uh, left the band and was replaced by. 
Tony Sly. Uh, the band released a song called Gangway, which you could check out on YouTube. And this appeared on Maximum Rock and Roll's comp, Turn It Around. The song actually did not feature Sly on vocals. Uh, honestly, it's not that good. Uh, in 1988, singer Ramon Gras had a falling out with the band and left. Former guitarist jo- uh, Dodge was then asked to be in uh, the band as the vocalist and agreed. The band would go on to record two EPs, Mark favorite uh, on Mark's favorite uh, Woodpecker Records, absolutely, <laughs> and released uh, two EPs, um, one titled "No Use for a Name" and "Let Them Down," which was on my favorite Slap a Ham Records. <laughs> mm, you do like slapping a ham. I do, I do. Um, typical hardcore punk records that you would expect from a West Coast band. But now here we are in 1989. Dodge left and Tony Slide would take over on vocals and songwriting. So, Mark, we get the first album right now, which is Incognito, released November 16th, 1990 on New Red Archives, re-released on Fat in 2001. It's actually produced by Brett Gruitz of Bad Religion. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, only no use for name record to be released as a trio. All right, so not a lot to mar- mention here, Mark, uh, on this debut. It's melodic hardcore and punk, which gives it that melodic tag. Uh, and that melodic tag is basically from Sly's vocals. Obviously, it's way rougher here, um, but you can hear that there's some potential. For me personally, Hail to the King is the only choice track. Mark, quick thoughts on this debut. This album isn't great. Uh, don't get me wrong. I've always wanted to be in one of these bands, like slightly too aggressive for their own good, way too fast for their own good. And no one really likes them, uh, but they're kind of a good time to hang out with. You know, I've always wanted to be in that band. Anyways, yeah. there's a there's definitely a ton of potential here for sure. But if I'm if I'm in this band, I'm asking if if Tony is the singer I want as the leader or the vocalist for leading this band, because it is far more metal than it is punk or hardcore. Oh, yes. And his voice is just not matching up. This is going to be a problem for the first two records, and it's just, it's really a strain. I'm surprised uh, anybody put this record out. Um, Just not because I I don't think it's good. I mean, it's not good. It's it's a band I would have liked to have been in. It's fun. It's trashy. It's kind of got a thrashy, excuse me, not trashy. Um, But Tony is a bad singer. And and like, it's just one of those things. I'm really surprised nobody went, cool, find another singer and we'll sign you. It's it's just not good. Um, I would say skip this unless you feel like you're going to be a completist and you want to listen to all of the albums. Yeah. Uh, In that case, hey, man, we tried to warn you. There you go. (laughs) Now, Mark, you took the train. Tell Mm -hmm. us if we want to jump on or catch the next one, my friend. Well, Frank's referring to Don't Miss the Train, released October 23rd, 1992 on New Red Archives, re-released on Fat in 2001, uh, and produced by none other than No Use for a Name. Now, Frank, I'm going to tell you to jump on and check it out. Uh, It's got some issues and a ton of tracks that I'll be skipping going forward. But the album has a few really interesting moments. Uh, I think that, excuse me, that I think are worth hearing out uh, as you work through the band's catalog, namely the song's whole And the title track, Don't Miss the Train, uh, which is a great marker in hearing uh, what many people would call the band's signature sound as it develops. Take a look at that in particular and then get down towards the end of the the discography and you'll see this is definitely the first real glimpse of what Tony Sly was trying to do. It's really interesting. Right. I really like the metal parts here. But again, Tony's voice doesn't work for that. The best thing about this album is how metal it is. 
The problem with that is that Tony's voice doesn't work for those tracks. So you guys heard me say this earlier. It's a big problem here. Those two tracks, Hole and Don't Miss the Train, are probably the songs that match up to his voice the best uh, and his singing style. However, there are some really cool metal parts. They just suck because those songs sound like garbage with Tony singing on them. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I hear you. I'm going to be honest, you know, this, this might be slightly better than incognito, but yeah. really has equal parts crappy. You know, it's yeah. kind of the same rehashed hardcore punk metal songs, as you were saying, Mark, more on the metal side uh, the lone bright spot is don't miss the train. Um, you could I'd tell- ask you to revisit that song hole. That song oh. hole is really cool. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And you could tell what he was trying to do here. Um, so yeah, all right. So two tracks then, which is kind of similar if you think about it to Incognito. Sure. Um, you know, shortly after we get another EP called The Daily Grind, which features songs like Permanent Rust and Feeding the Fire, which shows the band inching closer to what they want to be, right, Mark? Sure. I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, Frank, why don't yeah. you tell us how you like your milk and uh, your meat? Well, thank <laughs> well, Mark, and and for those who don't know, Mark's referring to leche con carne, correct? Uh, right, which, which I uh, you wrote as leche con leche, leche. Con leche. what milk yeah. with milk, right? Because yeah. why why wouldn't you have that? <laughs> so listen, it's released on February fifteenth, nineteen ninety five, on Fat Wreck. Uh, it's the second Fat release album. The Daily Grind EP was the one before that. It's produced by our favorite Fat Mike and one Ryan Green. So this is actually like the starting point, right? I was going to say, I made a face when you said Fat Mike, but he might be what kind of got them in the right direction. I hate to give him any credit, but... Especially in 95, right? Yeah. He he was really revving things up there. Um, It's kind of the starting point if you're going to direct someone to no use for a name. In fact, I always thought for the longest time this was their first album. (laughs) I think it is. We we have a ripper for the opener and Justify Black Eye. Hell yeah. Uh, You have the pop punk single Soulmate, uh, the Bob Marley cover Redemption song, uh, the potent and impactful straight from the jacket, and Mm -hmm. a great closer would exit. Uh, I love exit. Yeah. I think this album to me is the foundation for the band. It has some of their best and fan favorite tunes. It still slices with that energy and aggression, but shows they could deliver a pop punk hit. I remember seeing the video for Soulmate, and I was like, Tony Sly looks like the mechanic who would fix my cars. I was on backwards. <laughs> he had the bowling style collared shirt. And I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, uh, that's cool. I mean, that's really everyone's first thought once they see, uh, you know, uh, like punk is like, oh, I could do this. Right. Um, back to the record. This is stellar. And I think it's one of the more important releases for fat. Uh, after this, they would actually go on to support uh, the offspring on their smash tour. Uh, and shortly after this, then to Chris Shiflett of the Foo Fighters and Matt Riddle from Face to face, we joined the band. Um, so, Mark, uh, Milk, Meat, you digging this record? Are you circling back to it? Tell us everything. Absolutely. I'm digging right in. I, I love that they've harnessed that metal edge uh, of their sound and, and focused uh, that West Coast pop punk sound into a bigger and brighter uh, no use for a name sound of their own. Uh, this one, uh, excuse me, that's one of the things that really hits me with this album as it opens. You feel like the band went from playing inside like a closet to playing uh, a big uh, arena with a wall full of speakers right in front of you. The, the, the impact of sound in this album compared to those other two, it's like turning on a light switch. It's night and day. Right. Um, I have to tell you though, I really, really don't care for the cover of redemption song. Uh, it, it doesn't work. Um, and honestly, I don't think the album even needed a cover, let alone this cover. 
Uh, but who knows why bands make these choices to pick songs? Uh, I really wish it wouldn't been there. And then there's that song called Wood. Uh, I just wish it wouldn't. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. I mean, honestly. And and the covers are a trend we'll see in, in subsequent albums too, which, yeah. is, which is interesting. Um, so Mark, why don't you uh, tell us uh, about the band getting into the friends making business? You mean making friends? Yes. Released August 26, 1997 on fat records. Yes. <laughs> produced by no use for a name and Ryan green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So this happens to be my favorite album of their catalog. Uh, Frank. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's stacked with classics right from the jump. The answer is still no. Invincible growing down on the outside. A postcard would be nice. Uh, Revenge and Sidewalk. I know that I just named most of the album, but all of those songs fucking rip. Uh, Personally, the end of the album is a bit of a letdown. Uh, However, Tony's voice uh, is right where it needs to be for this record. He's in tune. His vocals are super audible and placing his amazingly crafted lyrics front and center. You're really able to follow along with what he's doing on this album. You're really able to pace out some of that, that heartbreak. It's really cool. Speaking of pacing, the pacing of this album, the speed of it is really stunning. It's amazing how the album flows, even with those two instances of that classic kind of punk rock. We're going to throw a movie sample in here real quick and then get right back into it. Uh, But this album really goes ahead and just, blast right through and you, you enjoy the ride for me it's up to those last three tracks um i really think they're, they're the biggest problem with this album right um for whatever reason they sound the least complete to me uh this album feels very very well thought out you get to those last three tracks and it feels like there's a little bit left over from the daily grind there's a little bit left over um from don't miss the train and we just need to get that out of our head and and move forward uh because the rest of this album totally rips. I'm going to give those last three songs a pass just because mm-hmm. the rest of the record's so good. Yeah. What about you? Well, not to mention one of the movie clips is uh, from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. So hello. I mean, that's, hello. That's just amazing. <laughs> uh, listen, this record in Leche, uh, I could listen to them back to back and it just feels like a, a very smooth continuation of each other. Uh, I made like Leche a little bit better, but I want to point out some tracks here. Invincible on the outside and a postcard would be nice uh, are some really great examples of Sly's progression as a writer. It's hard mm-hmm. to articulate, to be honest with you, each of those three songs, um, but they display just an equal blend of melody aggression uh, great sounding chord progressions and of course heartfelt lyrics so um those three tracks in particular i always thought as standouts for his uh for his writing and it's really good stuff and really you can't go wrong with this album also hey frank what's yeah. better than betterness well it's more betterness of course mark <laughs> yeah <laughs> so released october 5th 1999 on fat wreck produced by the band and Ryan Green. Uh, so this was actually the first album I purchased from the band. I remember thinking I bought the wrong one at the moment, uh, but that really shifted things because uh, it because it shifted things uh, with regards to their sound. Uh, the more I researched it, the more uh, that there is some controversy that surrounds this record from the soft tone in Sly's vocals to the more pop punk elements, more introspective lyrics, uh, an acoustic track. Listen, the, the Pogues cover, again, a cover, right? Really doesn't 
fit the record uh, and the single choice. Why doesn't anybody like me? I think it's a flat sounding tune. Nevertheless, like six or seven years later, after I purchased a record, it started to resonate with me. Uh, really heartfelt lyrical content, tracks like Not Your Saver, uh, Life Size Mirror, Chasing Rainbows. And two, I think of their most underrated tracks in the catalog, Sleeping In and Always Carry. Uh, it just wowed me all these years later. Um, it's a flaw record, Mark. I think we know this. And, and I felt like the band always pushed the wrong tracks to play more frequently live, uh, coming too close, which sounds better live in Room 19. Uh, but those nicks and dings um, through uh, are what actually more better uh, betterness is uh, why it's stellar, I think, to me. I mean, the title alone, the cover uh, would indicate that there are flaws inside because it doesn't really match the tone of the record. Uh, and the cover gives you like, I have no idea what this is going to sound like, that type of response. Um, it's actually a record I really adore. Mark, what, what about you? Yeah, I remember not you know, getting this album when, it, when I first got this album too. <laughs> um, and mostly I, I still don't, but there's a lot to unpack here. And the more I do, the more I appreciate its complexity, if nothing else. For what it's worth, I, I can name at least one other group that does a much shittier take on your Pogue's favorite. Um, <laughs> however, uh, pl- I really I want to focus because I adore the song uh, Coming Too Close. It might be my favorite Tony Sly song of all time. Nice. Um, I want people to check out this album, but I, I want to advise people that when you do, I want you to just take your time with it. Right. If you don't get it, if you go, that was fucking weird. What did they like about this? Just be cool. Give it give it a couple days. Give it a week. Listen yeah. to it again. This album will grow in front of you. Mm-hmm. There are things you're, you're probably still not going to like. But I think that makes those parts that you do like shine that much more. I agree with what Frank said. This is a flawed record, but it's a beautiful record. I, I adore this record as well. Good. Um, you know, Frank, this is like a six album-ish deep here at this point. Yeah. Uh, seems like a good time for a live album, wouldn't you say? Hey, kids, want to go to a punk rock show? Live in a dive. Ooh, kind of kind of awkward. Released September 11th, 2001. Yep. Uh, on Fat Records, recorded yep. in LA and San Francisco uh, in November of the year 2000. Could be the downside is that release date. Yeah, it could be. Uh, hey, look, they weren't in the plane. Don't give them too much shit. Um, there you go. Anyways, 9-11 was an inside job. This is a series. Um, excuse me. Uh, live in a dive. This is a series that Frank and I, I'm sorry. I had to get the joke out. I don't actually believe that. Um, this is a series. Frank and I both yes. really dig and no use for a name does not disappoint. Uh, yeah. We get 19 classics from the band. It's not surprising that this album is uh, mostly tracks from more betterness, um, but we get a good amount of tracks, both from Leche and making friends mm-hmm. with one track each from the first uh, you know, three albums. Plus we get a misfits cover with Martians, uh, the band's entry from uh, fat record, short music for short people comp. Um, the record is great. Uh, and the band's firing together on all cylinders. I loved opening with invincible and going right into coming too close. Mm-hmm. Just an amazing way to open a show, you know, uh, by crushing your fans with some really emotional and physically powerful tunes. Uh, the only negative thing I have to say about this is that I think they should have ended it with exit. Yeah. It's uh, called exit. <laughs> it's called exit. Six degrees from Misty. I, I just don't get that song. It's not for me. Uh, and Redemption song, that song, along with Six Degrees of Misty, they should have ended up on the cutting room floor. These yeah. aren't good takes. They sound arguably the emptiest of all the recordings. There's an, like, you can tell, like, oh, they're the encore. They're, yeah. It just doesn't sound the same. 
Um, I don't know if the audience left and they still tried to pull it off and the band just didn't feel it. They just sound exhausted. And I mean, I would be if you look at the rest of that set. But um, what do you think, Frank? Yeah. So next to the lag wagon and the others live in a dive, this is like right there uh, for me. I I think they're at their peak here with how awesome they sound live. Uh, The older tracks uh, like Don't Miss the Train, for example, Hail to the King, even Feeding the Fire sound really sound great with uh, Tony's more matured vocal tone. Uh, It's a really healthy blend as far as the set list goes of old and new. I do wish... I agree with you too. Those two last songs I could do without. And I do wish there were some um, like sleeping in always care, even life size mirror mm-hmm. from more betterness. Um, and I think those, you know, considering this was during that tour, I, I wish that that would have occurred. Um, but you can't discount that. This is an amazing sounding live yeah, record. Amazing, it really is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So Mark, we're going to then slide right in ooh, to a uh, hard rock bottom. We didn't write a joke here. We didn't. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> We're tired, folks. Listen, this was released on June 18th, 2002 on Fat Wreck. Again, produced by Noise for a Name and Ryan Green. So, okay, Chris Shifflett leaves the band for this other band. I don't know what he was thinking, called Foo Fighters. Yeah, they're not that good. <laughs> yeah, right? They weren't that popular. See our previous episodes. <laughs> we got we get new guitarist Dave Nassi, who possesses some lightning fast speed if you ever see him play live. Now, Although I love more better betterness, we actually get a step up here. I think with the album overall, starting off with a somber one minute feel uh, feels like home, which has the following gut wrenching lyric. Uh, it's never easy to understand why memories hold our hand, but people let go, man. Ooh, great yeah. line. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. To the touching love song, international U day dumb reminders is a far better single choice than why doesn't anybody like me uh, mm-hmm. friends of the enemy and uh, let me down are also two tracks that have great single potential. Although on track nine, they did it again with a random cover this time. It's, this is a rebel song by Sinead O'Connor, uh, which I could do, do without yep. the, la- the last four tracks. though, I think are on point undefeated and nailed shut personal highlights for me. Yeah. Um, Mark, this album feels like it had a little bit more direction and still progresses the band with some serious nature songs while maintaining some lighthearted vibes with the album cover. Uh, Mark, <laughs> is your bottom hard as a rock? <laughs> if you only knew. Um, look, Let Me Down is uh, a melancholic masterpiece. That song mm. is fucking beautiful, man. Right. And yeah, this record is uh, really is an achievement for the band when you think about the time uh, we, excuse me, when you take the time to see how they got here, when, when you've listened through just as Frank and I have, if you guys have been doing this with us, this album sounds amazing. Right. Uh, the band really synced together here rhythmically. Tony's ability as a songwriter to grip the audience with his words and keep you locked onto each one of them as they come out is really fantastic. Frank nailed it. This is a rebel song. It just has no place, no place. on this record. Uh, certainly for my money, it's the <laughs> lowest of lowlights on this record. Yeah. Uh, I understand why a lot of people, this is their favorite album of the new use for a name catalog. Yeah. I totally get that. It, it just happens not to be for me. Um, I think Frank probably will put it there, but um, it's an interesting, you know, it, it's definitely a great record. Um you know, uh, well, I think it's time to get weird, Frank. Here's uh, another one we didn't wreck a joke for. Keep them confused. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Man, we got tired here. Released June 14th, 2005 on Fat Records. Produced by just Ryan Green this time. Interesting. Mm, that is interesting. Interesting. This is a record 
you can judge by the title. It's confusing. Yeah. The band does some, uh, we'll call it experimenting here. And some of it really works, uh, at least to me. Uh, there's some seriously sugary, artificial flavored pop punk here that doesn't do anything for the band, uh, but make you wonder how this album came out of No Use for a Name. <laughs> the cliches uh, here, uh, excuse me, the cliches on There Will Be Revenge and For Fiona or why over the top uh, or, or, or way over the top, excuse me, I wrote like garbage on this thing uh, and don't really work for the band, um, especially when you're expecting really genuine lyrics uh, from Tony that we've gotten on the last few records. And this thing just kind of really feels flat and uh, it kind of feels like a marshmallow to me, Frank, like it's blown up, but there's nothing inside of it. And you bite into it and you're like, I shouldn't have had that. And it goes poof. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it's all over your mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I want to point out uh, the song uh, uh, Divine Letdown. Uh, sure. It's quirky with the electric drum intro. Um, then it gets slowly built upon with Tony's voice and guitar. Um, and when he does the song, uh, it actually becomes like really charming. It's It starts off, you're like, yeah. what the fuck is this? And then as it builds, the song really grows on you. So please give uh, Divine Letdown your attention because I think it's the best track on here. It's probably the highlight of the record. If I'm being honest, um, everything else you can skip. <laughs> so this was another one. I remember distinctively when I got it, it kept me confused at first. Uh, I thought, um, and actually still do. It's a slight step back from hard rock bottom. Uh, again, it's one of those flaw records, but I, I felt that there were gems along the way. Part two, there will be revenge. I love how for Fiona is for his daughter. Um, Black bunch, black box, excuse me, and apparition. Uh, I felt they had a, a haunting nature to them, and knowing the outcome, um, you know, it, who knows if there was some telling stuff in there. So, listen, for me, not necessarily a bad record, but if you stack it up, even starting from more betterness to the end, it's the least of the group. Yeah. Frank, what if I wrote a joke now? <laughs> can you can you come up with one on the spot? You know, it would feel really good right now, Frank. The feel good record of the year. It sure would. <laughs> oh, man, we were tired. So listen, <laughs> released April 1st, 2008 on Fat Wreck. Produced. Now we up the ante a little bit. Bill Stevenson of Descendants. I, I like it. Yeah, you like where we're going, right? I should work. <laughs> listen prior to the release of this record in 2007 we had a greatest hits album called all the best and now we have what would be the band's final studio record again the flaw and perhaps the strength is the ability to make these records uh, great i think um then release one that takes a few step back and then bam it's this is a redemption of sorts uh, the production value here i think is great and i think that could be attributed to stevenson uh, he has a great talent for maximizing the best sounds looking back uh what a final record for a band you get really some classic sounding no use for name tracks with biggest lie and i want to be wrong you have an, a, an acoustic tune of sleeping between trucks a even a no effect sounding tune with the trumpet player and no covers on this record um I, i'd like to point out right big thumbs up there i'd like to point out years to destroy under the garden and the feel good song of the year as some is uh some of sly's best uh pen tunes in a uh, feel good song of the year he writes i never thought the day would come where i would be the poison in the pen 
I used to write. Uh, this song is, I don't know, it's so real. And, and that you think as a listener, you're also kind of experiencing something similar, right? From drinking to thoughts of what's next after a breakup, uh, the cancer in his soul. I don't know. It's pretty potent, man. Uh, of course, we can not and never know if this is based on something that he was actually going through. Uh, but there are points in these later albums that make you think, was there something going on? Listen, I really enjoyed this record. Uh, as a, and I enjoyed it when it was released, and I still do. Mark, your thoughts? I think this album does a much better job of focusing, focusing excuse me, Tony's signature sound uh, and some of this more experimental pop punk. Uh, the Feel Good Song of the Year really captures this kind of melancholy Tony's known for and makes him just like really very endearing to me. Uh, the trumpet player song uh, does have that no effect sound to it. Yeah. Uh, whether that works or not, uh, I'll leave to, to you, the listener, whether or not you like no effect sounding songs. Um, it's not a great tune, uh, but it's better than most of keep them confused. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. dregs of sobriety. Uh, I think that's is a cool really tune great too. Tune yeah. Well. That's another good one. Um, and I love the combo of the, of kill the rich and take, uh, and take it home to close the album. Yeah, uh, I like the way the album comes together. Mm. Uh, some serious gems here. I, I think this is definitely a checkout. I like if you put this after Hard Rock Bottom. I think that there's a a, a flow there. Um, totally, especially of when you look at the that melancholy kind of uh, perspective that Tony appears to have had. I think that that's kind of what you and I had pulled out of yeah, a lot of this absolutely. Was, was his sorrow throughout this really has never wavered. He's really just been kind of a, not that he's a sad guy. I'm not trying to make him look like a pussy, like, but, um, you know, it's just one of those things. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I find that they really connect and it really brings out, I think this ends probably the way he wanted it to. There's more direct line with from hard rock, to feel good than there is from hard rock to keep them confused to, 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 I mean, I think so. There's there's certainly more of a flow in that direction. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, you know, now we have to talk about some heavy stuff, Mark. And you know, the reason, you know, putting off an episode like this, at least for me, uh, you know, this very moment was on that on July 31st, uh, 2012, Tony Sly died in his sleep. Um, It was a shock for me. And, and personally I was, during that time, just in my life, I was like really a few seconds away from a loony bin. So, uh, you know, his death was like a culmination of quite a few people I knew and family members. And, um, you know, I knew passing away. And I think what hit home with me personally was the fact that he had two daughters such as myself, uh, that scared the living shit out of me. That aside, these, uh, soundtracks, uh, for certain aspects of my life were, were all of a sudden they felt gone. Right. Tony, you know, wasn't just a frontman of like a nineties pop punk band. He seemed like a regular dude trying to find out what's at the core and the center of life. Uh, his genuine and humble personality, you know, probably assisted with making it feel real. And as if you almost knew him, uh, of course, not a lot of information exists on the cause of death. If you look at videos um, on YouTube during that time, you could see he looks exhausted. Uh, the last acoustic show with uh, old Joey Cape in Florida, ironically, uh, he almost appears in pain. Uh, per research, there's reports of back issues, whether that is true or not, you know, it leads to the next place that a mind could potentially go, which is, was there some sort of combination of what could the of what was prescribed and what people wash it down with. Listen, whatever the case is, I feel on that day, Mark, we lost someone who was underrated and unheralded uh, as an individual and songwriter. It's sad that uh, I feel that most don't know of him. 
but I think if they did, I think there would be something that people might be able to relate to because he did that so well. Um, although a band like Lagwagon, you know, we definitely like uh, better. I think that's a fair statement for us to say. I think Dose for Name was a consistent band and he was hitting his stride as a songwriter. Uh, so I always think and feel for his family and kids. And at the end of the day, you know, he was a husband, a father, a son, a friend, and probably a lot more, Mark, you know? Yeah, an absolute tragedy for sure. Yeah. Now, Frank, um, yes. You and I have some slightly different rankings as far as the band's catalog goes. So we thought it would be fun. We would. Um, uh, if we went through those. Now, since I'm, uh, excuse me, you're the no use for a name head here, if you will. Um, why don't I go first and then you can tell people why I was wrong and why your list is right? <laughs> you got it, my man. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I did include the daily grind in my list. Um, yeah. But, um, so uh, the, the the worst record for me and working our way to betterness, um, or are we? Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> in, incognito. Look, that album was it yeah. was not good. It was a, it was a metal album with the wrong guy seeing. Uh, Don't miss the train while we really get the first look of uh, what No Use for a Name's pop punk style will be. The rest of the album d- just doesn't match it, even though I think it's probably not a bad little metal album. Yeah. If we had gotten somebody writing some metal songs, who could sing some metal songs for it. Yeah. That said, the daily grind comes in next. Again, we're just working our way that you're watching that uh, that little mold of clay form into the band, you know, is no use for a name. Yeah. Um, and it, it's worth listening to, especially if you want to get an idea of the band's entire catalog. Uh, next is actually going to be keep them confused for me. Mm-hmm. Um, while there are some things I think are interesting, some stylistic choices. It just doesn't do well. And the fact of the matter is the rest of this list is is stacked. Um, And for me, this is the only place it really belonged. Now, that said, more betterness is actually going to be next. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some really great tunes on there. However, I really kind of fell in love with Feel Good um, Album of the Year. Uh, That is compared to how I had felt about it before. (laughs) Um, So uh, so at six is more betterness. And then Feel Good uh, Album of the Year really jumped up here, I think. Previously, those two would have been swapped. That's why I wanted to point that out. Right. I just really, after listening to the both of them, yeah. and I think because we're sitting here on the, you know, uh, post the anniversary of his nine years passing, I the album perhaps just hit me a little harder. Sure, time. sure. Um, that said, at number four, I've got Live in a Dive. Uh, Frank nailed it. So it's good. a it's a fantastic album. Uh, I hope that, and I never got to see the band live, so this is the only real experience I'll have had to experience them. Um, I, I hope it lives up to the truth. Number three for me is going to be hard rock bottom. Nice. Uh, I really enjoyed um, the mature version of what this band's supposed to be. I think this album's really great. There's some absolute classics on this, uh, but Leche con carne um, carries that early nineties West coast energy. It really, um, we really hear a lot of their sound. So that's why that comes in second for me. Yeah. And then I said it earlier, making friends is making my favorite album. Friends. It just explodes out of the gate. Really strong record. The songwriting here is really tight, right. really vulnerable. Um, that's my number one. Frank, why don't you give us your, uh, your breakdown? So ironic that Lagwagon also has a song called "Making" Fr- has a song "Making Friends" and No Use has mm-hmm. an album "Making Friends" and Tony Sly and Joey Cape were were really close. That's just yeah. just something I was thinking. I'm of. sure it's coincidence. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here you go. So you're gonna find some similarities towards the bottom. Incognito for me is definitely number ten, followed by Don't Miss the Train. Uh, I think they're 
all over the place, just not in a good way. There's, you know, one or two good songs, but I mean, there's even bands I despise out there where I'm sure there's one or two good songs on some of the records. Uh, I don't have to sum it up any more than the way Mark did, where just musically, it's not currently mashing with uh, what Tony was doing with his voice. It's as simple, it's as simple as that. So we don't need to dive into that anymore. Um, Daily Grind, I put at eight, just because of the fact that I think there's two songs on there worth mentioning, Feeding the Fire and Permanent Rust. Um, you know, and, and it's an EP, but that feeding EP, the fire is cool though. It is a cool song. Yeah. It is a cool song. Yeah. 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 Um, seven is keep them confused. Um, you know, there's Mark said there is some experimental things in there that, that you're going to find, uh, the over the top though nature, I think was just a setback from, from, uh, hard rock. And uh, obviously they felt it too, because, um, feel good is more of an extension than hard rock than, you know, keep them confused is. So, um, you know, it's maybe four or five songs I could listen to from that, but as a whole, I, I, I do find that a little bit difficult now. Six and up is, is challenging Mark. And it's so funny because yeah. we, we have so many episodes, especially where we're doing like these album rankings where 95% of the things were kind of spot on where we agree with, but then our interpretation of what's top in our list is really, Oh, I hadn't realized that. Yeah, it's really kind of different, which is which is crazy. So honestly, a lot of these have to do with just more the frequency of listening them uh, to them too, uh, as to whether I, you know, as opposed to if I think one is better than another, I'm just really kind of talking about which ones I listen to uh, the most. So, um, you know, number six is Making Friends. It's a it's a great record. It's a yeah. great record. Uh, I a postcard. Could, I ahead. get it. I yeah. get it. Postpart would be nice on the outside. I absolutely love those tracks. It sounds great. And number five, Leche Con Carne. I absolutely love these records. Amazing. Amazing. The thing is, the next four I mentioned, I just listened to them more. So Live in the Dive is such a go-to record to me uh, to listen to, just because, again, I think the band uh, sonically is at their peak. I love the um, new renditions of the older tunes with the way Tony's voice is currently sounding. The band is just on fire. Right there. <laughs> I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Feel Good. Um, Feel Good, that's an album, again, I liked it when it came out i like it now has some of my favorites on there feel good song of the year yours destroy uh, i just really like what they're doing <clears throat> number two hard rock hard rock is again probably the people's choice i would say for the most popular record i see why it's a great record you can play front to back minus the cover and believe it or not my number one is more betterness and that has to do with the, the frequency the, the flaws and the frequency that i listen mm-hmm. to it i'd listen to that record the most you know, and again, it's flawed. There's a lot to unpack. There's even more that you start realizing as you listen to it more. It's an album that you have to kind of grow with it too, and it grows on you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, you know, the best way to approach an album like that is what Mark said, which is give it time. Yep. You got to give it time. Got to give it time. So, Mark, that's our rankings. Uh, again, I always find them fascinating when we both. Yeah. It's really, it's really pretty cool. And why don't you tell the fine folks out there what you have next week? Yeah. So sorry about, um, you know, keeping the bummer train rolling, but oh. um, uh, Hey, uh, we've recently lost the, uh, the great dusty hill oh, of ZZ top. Man. So uh, Frank and I wanted to uh, honor uh, Mr. Dusty Hill by talking about a, a great ZZ top record, which shouldn't be difficult at all. Uh, context is going to be key here to not getting angry. Uh, Mark. <laughs> Um, I know I said that to myself. What? Uh, going to be rad. We are, we're going to jump into just one of like the coolest records of all time. It's 1983's Eliminator. What? Yeah, I know. I'm pretty excited. I am. I am. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh-huh. 
man can't wait uh yeah. listen we'll, we're gonna talk about it more next week but it, you know i mentioned on underrated and underheralded uh you can't say that also too without mentioning cc top um yep. and they're such an amazing consistent band and they're a gem and music in general and i'm 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 amped to talk about it mark so yay yeah this is going to be a fun one look we picked we picked a fun record because uh honestly i just felt that dusty would want us to have as much fun as we could yeah. uh, i love those early blues records i love the experimental stuff but we're going to stick with Hot rods and babes. We're going to do some car rock and roll. We're doing eliminators. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, so awesome. So hey, awesome. From Frank and I, thank you yeah. so much for listening to our podcast. Thank you, guys. Please be safe out there. And hey, how about taking care of one another? Let's let's start with that, shall we? Yeah. Now say it with me, folks. Oh, my, my. Oh, hell yes. Oh, bye-bye. Recording has ended. <laughs>